Chapter Twenty Two of the Barnabys in America by Francis Milton Trollope. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter Twenty Two. Mrs. Barnaby appears to the company at the boarding house in the character of a full-blown lion. Arrangements are made for increasing her knowledge of the United States by a tour. Another meeting between Mr. Egerton and Miss Beauchamp in the balcony. There was something in Mrs. Allen Barnaby's demeanour as she entered the dining-room, supported on the arm of her husband, which both attracted the attention of her particular friends among the company assembled there, and puzzled them. Was she ill? Was she affronted at somebody or something? Had she received disagreeable tidings from home? Or was she only very much fatigued? All and each of these motives suggested themselves to all those sufficiently interested in this lady to watch her as she entered the room, despite the interesting nature of the business already going on at the top of the table, where Mrs. Carmichael, puffing and wheezing like a fainting steam-engine, was sending round by the sable hands of two negro hebes, sharply scrutinized portions of a favourite fish. The equality or inequality of this nice and difficult distribution was, under ordinary circumstances, a matter of great moment, and nearly of universal interest. But now it was only partially so. Yet it would be difficult to describe precisely what it was in the bearing of Mrs. Allen Barnaby which caused this effect. She always walked in with a great deal of dignity, and so she did now. She had always some volant ribbon or floating scarf to attend to and arrange, and so she had now she never failed to return with great benignity any salutations which she might receive as she moved onward to her place nor did she fail to do so now but in all this there was something that nobody had ever seen before a blending of condescension and indifference an eye that seemed not fully conscious of the identity of the objects over which it glanced an air of superiority softened by benevolence and finally a look of gentle tenderness when she turned towards her husband that seemed to indicate that she recognized in him a being who in some degree at least approached to an equality of condition with herself having reached the chair now constantly reserved for her next her friend mrs beauchamp she placed herself in it with a sort of circular bow that seemed to say pray do not disturb yourselves but not even to that favourite lady did she give more than a half smile and a half nod accompanied with a languid look and drooping eyelid that seemed to speak exhaustion and fatigue oh my exclaimed her observant friend if you aren't regularly done up mrs allen barnaby god bless your dear heart you have just been working too hard that's quite plain and clear and that won't do at all we shall have you ill by and by if we don't take care and then what is to come of our delightful tour take my advice and desire your husband the major to send you a glass of his wine though i am sure for the matter of that colonel beauchamp would be first-rate happy to offer you a taste of his only gentlemen boarders are generally supposed to know their own lady's taste best haven't you been writing an unaccountable quantity to-day mrs allen barnaby say mrs allen barnaby in reply to this question turned her benignant countenance upon her friend there was a gentle and very charming smile upon it but the eyes were considerably more than half closed and for a few seconds she suffered herself to be looked at in silence then she said shaking her head and smiling if possible with still more benignity oh no you are quite mistaken dear lady i have not written a single line there was a look of blank disappointment on the countenance of mrs beauchamp on hearing this which recalled mrs allen barnaby to the necessity of not losing any birds already in her hand while starting away to look after others which were still in the bush 
she therefore so far recalled herself to the passing moment as to say you look surprised my dear mrs beauchamp and so you well may but your surprise would cease if you knew what a morning i had passed not sick i hope returned her new friend with very sincere anxiety i'm sure i wouldn't have you take a spell of sickness just now for more than i'll say you are very kind oh no not sick or sorry i assure you only engaged too incessantly occupied by a multitude of letters to do anything but read them my a mail from the old country i expect replied mrs beauchamp with a sort of congratulatory smile no returned mrs allen barnaby composedly not so all my letters were from ladies and gentlemen mostly from gentlemen indeed who were here last night a visible augmentation of colour suffused the cheeks of mrs beauchamp on hearing these words an effect which was instantly and satisfactorily remarked by the authoress they will be at fisticuffs about me soon if i don't take care thought she but it will be better for me to carry on everything peaceably and profit by them all in turn and with this feeling she smiled with more of peculiar and personal affection on mrs beauchamp than she had done before and said i must ask your advice and assistance about all this in a society so particularly select and elegant i would not for the world offend anybody but it is impossible to accept all these invitations and you must help me to decide whom i must refuse what's that about invitations mamma demanded madame tornorino who like the rest of the company had remarked something queer in her mother's looks which now with her inherited shrewdness she thought might very likely be the result of more compliments and invitations i say mamma she resumed i beg you will let me know all the invites in time for i hate to be taken at a hop and so does the don too fear not my love replied her mother with a tranquillizing nod i will always contrive to give you time enough for dressing but upon my word dear i don't think i can promise to keep a regular calendar of all invitations it would occupy more time than i can spare but you may go into my room if you like it after dinner and collect all the notes and letters which you will find lying about upon my table and read them if it will be any satisfaction to you ask if you may bring them all down into the drawing-room whispered miss matilda perkins across don tornorino by whose side it was the pleasure of his young wife that her friend should always sit thinking it probably more cosy and comfortable to keep their party thus far together than to let any other lady sit next him particularly that odious annie beauchamp whom she hated above all things and towards whom she had more than once caught the beautiful eyes of her don directed oh for goodness sake bring them down my darling dearest madame tornorino reiterated her eager friend very well was the reply hold your tongue and say nothing about it i shall bring them down if i like it and ask no leave you may depend upon it i should have thought you might have guessed that without my telling you mrs beauchamp who though for very different reasons was quite as anxious about these invitations as matilda herself ventured to ask a few questions of her new friend respecting the names of the parties from whence they came to all of which mrs allen barnaby replied with almost her former affectionate warmth of manner you shall see them all my dear mrs beauchamp don't imagine for a moment that it is possible i could have any reserves with you oh no we must talk them all over together thank you very much replied the comforted mrs beauchamp i certainly should like to see who comes forward first and foremost i told you how it would be didn't i mrs allen barnaby you won't forget that i expect say no indeed 
i shall never forget the exceedingly kind and friendly manner in which you have conducted yourself towards me throughout my dear madam i shall not easily meet with any one whose society i shall enjoy so thoroughly as i do yours there was some comfort in hearing this but the words did not seem to mean exactly what the same words would have meant yesterday at least so thought or rather so felt mrs beauchamp but yet to do her justice she did by no means fully enter into or understand the nature of the change she remarked she thought indeed that it was likely enough mrs allen barnaby might like to listen to other first-rate patriotic ladies as well as to her and might wish to compare testimonies together in order to get at the exact truth but for all the calculations which were going on as to whom she could turn to greatest profit in other ways nothing of the kind ever entered her head neither did she long suffer the trifling difference which she had fancied perceptible in the illustrious lady's tone to dwell upon her mind i ought to be ashamed of myself thought she the moment afterwards for having any such fancies as if we ought not one and all to think of the one great object of having justice done to our country and there is no danger upon that score as long as this dear writing lady keeps clear of those wicked and rebellious free states that don't scruple to abuse our venerable institutions about slavery just as bad more shame for them as our foreign enemies themselves can do so the next time mrs allen barnaby gave her an opportunity of speaking to her again which was not immediately for to say truth that lady had in a great degree lost the comfort she might have found from mrs carmichael's dinners in consequence of the immense importance she had hitherto attached to all that was said to her and was now making amends to herself for it by attending much more to the dinner and much less to the conversation than heretofore but as soon as she found an opportunity mrs beauchamp said do you happen mrs allen barnaby ma'am to recollect any of the names of the gentlemen who have been writing to you i can't say but what i should like to know who's come forward mrs allen barnaby who had just completed the demolition of a very savoury plate and had been reflecting during the pleasant process on the various words and phrases which had reached her since her arrival at new orleans relative to the first-rateness of standing of her already well-secured friend mrs colonel beauchamp promptly replied and in accents of perfectly recovered cordiality my dearest friend i have the very worst head in the world for names let me see let me see oh yes my dear mrs beauchamp there is one i remember perfectly and the better perhaps because i received two notes so signed gregory is the name both general gregory and mrs gregory wrote most obligingly and very strongly urged our immediately paying them a visit at their place in the country possible exclaimed mrs colonel beauchamp and there stopped possible repeated mrs allen barnaby what does that mean my dear friend do you doubt its being possible oh my no mrs allen barnaby no doubt of anything you say could enter my thoughts you may be very sure only to me who so well know the general and his uncommon quietness upon all matters leaving everything to his wife you know and all that it does seem something like a miracle that he should sit down and write an invitation specially as his lady was doing the very same it certainly shows a most amiable and cordial feeling of hospitality replied mrs allen barnaby so much so indeed that i felt the moment i read their two letters that it would be quite impossible to refuse the invitation but i do hope and trust my dear lady returned the now really terrified mrs beauchamp that nothing and nobody will be able to lead you aside from the plan we have so beautifully laid down together for the examination of all the most important parts of the union say 
no dearest mrs colonel beauchamp responded the authoress most truly may you affirm both to yourself and others that nothing will induce me to abandon a project to which my heart and my understanding are alike pledged alike wedded alike bound this was uttered with solemnity the movement of the knife and fork being intermitted and the raised eyes fixed devoutly on the ceiling thank god ejaculated mrs colonel beauchamp fervently then i don't care how many bean for earthly man woman or child that tour can't be done every day from july to eternity and it is i that shall be as i must say i ought my dear mrs allen barnaby your companion and leader to edify you as to where you should look first and foremost mrs allen barnaby assiduously fed herself upon duck and green corn and smiled and nodded an affectionate assent it is probable that the whole party at the boarding-table had heard enough of what had passed there to feel some curiosity as to what was to be brought down and accordingly the cigar-smoking which usually takes place at that hour in the chambers the wives of american citizens being imperturbably amiable on this point was postponed and the whole party assembled in the saloon patty failed not to do as she had declared she would do if it so pleased her and as it did please her to scamper into her mamma's room the moment the party had risen from the table and to scamper down again as fast as she could run with both her hands full of letters and a few for fun secured beneath her chin she reached the saloon just as the last of the company entered it and bouncing up to the longest table bent over it and discharged the three divisions of her load at the same moment there she exclaimed now then let's see what it's all about that dear creature's vivacity will never be restrained let the business in hand be ever so important observed her mother moving with a very slow and deliberate pace towards the table mrs allen barnaby was in truth in no great hurry to reach it for not only the ardent eager-minded miss matilda perkins was already bending over the still open despatches and possessing herself of their contents with the most assiduous industry but very many others of the party were doing exactly the same thing without the slightest shadow of restraint or ceremony and as the lady to whom they were addressed happened to prefer their being read by all the world she had no wish to cheek the operation by her presence but mrs allen barnaby showed her english ignorance in thus restraining her steps nothing short of her withdrawing her letters altogether or so folding them up that no portion of their contents could be seen would have sufficed to check it the lively patty however either from consideration for those who could not find room to place themselves where they could read the various pages thus displayed or else because she thought it a capital joke to show off to all the set at once how much they were in fashion began reading them aloud with great distinctness and certainly much to the satisfaction of all who listened to her oh what a madcap cried mrs allen barnaby dropping into a chair before she had reached even the outskirts of the throng that was pressing round her daughter is not madame tornorino a saucy creature louisa this was addressed to the greatly improved and almost gay miss perkins who really seemed to be inspired with new life by the gentle kindness of annie beauchamp the unceasing good-humour of mr egerton and more still oh infinitely more by the very marked attentions which she saw her dear matilda receiving from all the american gentlemen who approached her to this appeal of mrs allen barnaby she replied in an accent that really seemed almost fearless there does not seem to be much change in her certainly ma'am but what miss louisa perkins said at that moment was of little consequence the o's the my's the possibles that she heard from the party round the table as patty proceeded in her lecture was so exactly everything that mrs allen barnaby desired that she attended to nothing else 
she caught the eye of the major who had seated himself at no great distance from her just as patty was pompously giving forth the profound admiration and respect of some general colonel or major followed by the most pressing invitation to his mansion for as many weeks or months as it would be convenient for the admirable authoress and her party to remain and the look that was exchanged between them showed their feelings to be in the most perfect conjugal harmony i am delighted madam said mrs beauchamp when patty had concluded her self-imposed task i am first-rate delighted to find that so many of the very highest standing among our gentlemen and ladies appear to be availed of the obligations they are likely to owe you and i can't enough be thankful to myself for having lost no time in making that fact generally known to all i am sure you are all excessively kind returned mrs allen barnaby arranging her heavy gilt bracelets with rather an absent air i perfectly delight in the country and its charming inhabitants wife whispered the major in her ear as he passed by to leave the room come upstairs i want to speak to you and mrs allen barnaby really wanted to speak to him so permitting him with her usual tact to disappear before she rose to follow him she extended her hand to mrs beauchamp with the full recollection of all she had heard of that lady's reputed wealth and station and said not quite in a whisper oh my dear friend though of course exceedingly gratified by all this depend upon it i can never feel for any other person charming as they all are what i feel for you it is quite impossible i ever should what a fine thing is fame and must not mr john milton have been in some degree mistaken when he declared it to be no plant that grows on mortal soil mrs allen barnaby was unquestionably still in the flesh and yet she had not only found this plant growing in the most delightful abundance in louisiana but discovered that it was easily convertible to all manner of domestic purposes from a pot herb to a garland for the brow nay had she at that moment poured several handfuls of dollars in the lap of mrs colonel beauchamp that lady could not have considered it more completely satisfactory payment for all she had done and all that she meant to do for the honour glory profit and convenience of mrs allen barnaby than did those few words from her in return for mrs allen barnaby had not only acquired fame but she knew it and had skill enough at once to bring it into current use as a sort of bill of exchange which as long as her credit lasted would pass very well in payment for most things in a country so exceedingly fond of celebrity and renown as the united states of america on reaching her room mrs allen barnaby found her husband already there and waiting for her rather impatiently my dear he began i won't waste any time complimenting you upon the capital manner in which you have set all these funny folks spinning but i see it all i promise you and i admire your cleverness accordingly what you and i must talk about my dear is not how all this has been brought about but how we can best turn it to account that's quite true donny she replied with a decisive nod that spoke as plainly as any words could have done how completely she agreed with him don't fancy that i mean to content myself by being blown up by all these famous fine words not a bit of it i promise you i don't see any good reason whatever why we should not travel about from house to house as long as the fancy holds them living upon the fat of the land as we shall be sure to do major and paying nothing for it but just scribbling and sputtering a little puff 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 as we go along shan't we progress like a steam-engine the major clapped his hands and laughed aloud by jove my barnaby he cried i think i am more heartily in love with you than ever i was in my life 
and i don't believe you've got your equal in the old world or the new either to be sure my love that's what we'll do it is exactly the very thing that came into my head as patty was reading and it will be perhaps a better speed than even your quick wit is quite aware of of course i am not quite idle on my side i am sure it would be a shame if i was and you working away as you do and i have found out a thing or two about these rich planter people you my dear have got hold of their stale passion as i may call it or rather of their two staple passions that is to say their vanity about their country and their greatness and their red-hot terror of losing hold of their slaves now you'll keep on working em on this side while i'll keep on playin em dearie upon another i find that there isn't scarcely one of these rich slave-holding chaps who make their niggers wait upon them up and down from morning to night so that they do little or nothing but eat drink sleep and spit for themselves i am told that there isn't scarcely one of em who doesn't more or less try to keep themselves awake by play now can you fancy anything my dear falling out much better than that we shall have to write a letter of thanks wife upon my soul we shall to those precious relations of yours that played bo-peep behind the curtain we shall be living upon roses here i see it as plain as the handsome nose in your face my barnaby for you may just remember if you please that credit doesn't hold out for ever even in london and with a fine house and a fine wife like you to back it christmas would have been sure to come mrs allen barnaby and a few little bills my dear would have been sure to come with it whereas in this blessed land it seems exceedingly probable i think that we shall make money and spend none exactly so replied his wife bowing to him that mr major is precisely the scheme i have conceived for us during the next four or five months perhaps and then if my work is completed and i get paid for it in hard cash as these people say i shall be we may then venture i think to take a house of our own i should like it to be in the capital donny if they would but make up their minds as to where that is but it seems hard to find any two of em that agree upon that point never mind that my dear returned the major laughing when we do settle down we will take care to fix upon just whatever we think pleasantest and if we go on as we expect to do we shall be able to pick and choose as we like but now my dear let us come to business to which of all these people will it be best to go first to the beauchamps donny stick to the beauchamps my dear in the first instance it will look best a great deal because of all the fuss i have been making about my love and affection and admiration and gratitude and all the rest of it besides they certainly are very rich he is an inveterate card-player in a sober way and that she knows how to set a thing going we have had capital good proof of already so i say stick to the beauchamps at first but then you must please to observe that i don't mean to go gallivanting in a steamboat all down these everlasting rivers that they talk about for i suppose it is a matter of course that we should be expected to pay our own expenses on board and just think what that would come to with patty and her don upon our hands whereas you'll observe that when we get to their elegant big gang bank that they all talk about there will be an end of paying except indeed that if the perkinses really get in there too i shall expect that they will make us some consideration for it they need not pay us quite as much as they would at a boarding-house you know but they can't expect we should drag them about for nothing my dear love replied the major your notions on every point are so clear so clever so quick in short so admirable in every way that i should be a great deal worse than a fool if i attempted to check or control you on any subject of business whatever 
anything of that kind with the perkinses i should leave entirely to you in fact to say the honest truth i don't feel that i have tact and skill enough to do anything of the sort myself but i give you carte blanche my dear very well major returned the lady laughing i understand perfectly you would like to get the dollars but you would not like the asking for them but never mind my dear i'll undertake all that provided you don't object to my using your name a little i really must do that major or i should not be able to make the thing look right and reasonable as i should certainly wish to do as you please my love my name is your own you know so of course you may use it as you like and luckily they are both so devilish ugly that i can't say i care much what you say but now then as to the time and manner of our starting what do you mean to say to your dear friend in reply to this question mrs allen barnaby entered at some length into an explanation of her views and as the result will show what these were we may leave the conjugal consultation uninterrupted annie beauchamp had left the saloon by her usual point of escape the window as soon as madame tornorino commenced the reading aloud of her mamma's letters for to say truth there was something in the manner and bearing of this english beauty which very particularly irritated the nerves of the young american nobody however followed her example for no single individual present except herself seemed without some feeling of curiosity as to the contents of the despatches that madame tornorino was thus making public even mr egerton though hitherto he had not displayed any very strong feeling of interest in the immediate concerns of major and mrs allen barnaby was now evidently listening with the rest of the company to these flattering testimonials of louisianian and carolinian esteem nor did his attention to the voice of the fair reader relax till she had in loud and distinct tones gone through the perusal of every document but upon patty's throwing down the last sheet and exclaiming there that's all he immediately walked up to miss louisa perkins and offering his arm said do you not think miss perkins that we should find the air of the balcony very refreshing for half a moment the kind-hearted louisa paused to consider whether there were any possible means by which she could transfer this honour to her sister but perceiving on turning her eyes round to look for her that she was in earnest conversation with mr horatio timpshackle she smiled a ready assent to the agreeable proposal and taking the young man's offered arm walked through the same window at which annie beauchamp had disappeared that young lady whom for a few minutes miss louisa had really forgotten was seated on her favourite bench beneath the orange-tree with her eyes fixed in rather a vacant glance upon another orange-tree immediately opposite to her oh dear me there's that nice young lady all by herself exclaimed miss louisa using a little gentle influence upon the arm of her companion in order to lead his steps towards her and how long have you been here all alone my dear she continued addressing the solitary beauty with an affectionate smile i thought we were all in the great room together listening to miss patty bawling out those surprisingly kind letters that have been addressed to her mamma i will not deny that i for one was rather curious to hear them but yet i think if i had known that you were sitting quietly here by yourself i should have been apt to leave miss patty and the letters for the pleasure of hearing you talk a little annie smiled in return to this speech but not very gaily and moving to the end of the bench made room for miss louisa to sit beside her mr egerton looked a little uncertain what to do but after the hesitation of a moment he took advantage of miss louisa's evident intention to leave space sufficient for him also and sat himself down beside her as neither of her companions seemed at all inclined to converse miss perkins seemed to think it incumbent on her to talk a little herself and began accordingly i can't help thinking miss beauchamp she said that the ladies and gentlemen of your country must be the kindest and most hospitable people in the world 
i could not have believed it possible that we should all of us have received such a quite wonderful number of invitations and not one of us knowing a single soul in the whole country only a few days ago almost as one may say i am sure mrs o mrs allen barnaby i mean has good reason to praise the country and all the people in it if she is really going to write a book for i certainly think that they are kinder and more hospitable than any nation i ever heard of in all my life before and i shall always say so though i shan't write it this was a very long speech for miss louisa perkins to make but still it did not produce the effect she desired by making her companions talk too for neither of them spoke a single word mr egerton might have been seen however if any one had happened to look at him stealing a glance across his neighbour at the beautiful young face beyond her perhaps the owner of that beautiful young face was aware of it for the delicately pale cheek blushed deeply and seemed to send its bright reflection even to the brow and neck but the head was instantly turned away and the curious young englishman had no opportunity at that moment of criticising its american contour your sister is trying i think to catch your eye miss perkins said mr egerton and if i am not mistaken she wants you to go to her dear me you don't say so said miss louisa hastily starting up and hurrying away and yet i wonder too considering but she moved so quickly that she was out of hearing and within the window before she could finish the sentence the young lady who had been stationed on the other side of her had so completely turned herself away leaning over the arm of the bench which they occupied that she did not appear immediately to perceive her departure miss beauchamp said mr egerton gently so gently indeed that it was extraordinary his voice should have made her start as it did miss beauchamp said he i have a proposal i mean that i have a bargain to propose to you will you listen to it the american young lady started a little at hearing these words and upon looking round and finding herself tete-a-tete -tete with the english young gentleman who spoke them half rose from her seat with the intention of walking away but the second thought which prevented her doing this not only came quickly but decidedly and it was with an air of being very particularly determined to hear him and to answer him too that she turned herself round and said yes sir i am quite willing to listen to you frederick egerton would perhaps have been less disconcerted if she had answered less complyingly but marvelling at his own folly in feeling thus he rallied and proceeded pretty nearly in the terms he had intended that is very obliging he said and i will not detain you very long what i wish to propose miss beauchamp is this let us mutually agree not definitely to form any opinion of each other's country and countrymen and countrywomen he added with a smile till we are fairly enabled to do so by having rather more general information on the subject than we either of us possess at present annie eyed him almost steadily for about a second and then blushed a good deal for having done so but she too rallied quickly and replied perhaps sir it would be more like good christians and reasonable human beings if we did so but if we make this agreement he resumed with a smile which had no very malicious expression in it and which certainly made him look very handsome if we make this agreement miss beauchamp we must do it fairly on both sides must we not i mean that we must not scruple to confess to each other the observations either favourable or unfavourable which we may chance to make this is necessary to truth and justice is it not either in the words themselves or in his manner of speaking them there was something that made annie blush again but this emotion however caused seemed to make her angry either with herself or with him for she knit her beautiful brows as she replied 
if you wish me to confess that i entirely disapprove and condemn the line of conduct adopted by some of the gentlemen and ladies of new orleans towards some of the gentlemen and ladies of england as witness both by yourself and me sir during the last few days i am quite ready to gratify you i do disapprove and condemn it greatly perhaps you mean said egerton colouring a little in his turn perhaps you mean miss beauchamp that you disapprove and condemn any and every hospitality or kindness of any sort offered from the inhabitants of your country towards the inhabitants of mine no she replied but in an altered and less haughty tone no i mean not that i mean that i am sorry and ashamed to perceive that even the admirable judgment and good sense of americans can be blinded and rendered useless by-by their prejudices egerton perceived that he had touched a string which vibrated too strongly for pique or pettishness to affect the tone which it produced he longed to speak to the beautiful and intelligent-looking young creature before him with more of candour and common sense than he had yet done but felt strangely at a loss how to begin he was perplexed not only by his own embarrassment but by seeking to comprehend why he felt it was he afraid of miss annie beauchamp absurd idea he rejected it indignantly and mastering the sort of shyness which had checked him he said more seriously and perhaps too with more punctilious respect than he had ever before used in addressing her may i venture miss beauchamp to believe that in using the word prejudice on the subject to which i think you allude your opinions respecting it are at all like what you suppose mine to be i would rather have avoided all conversation with you on such a topic sir replied annie after meditating for a moment but yet i believe that i have no right to think you mean to pain me by speaking on it nobody i believe supposes that any inhabitant of a slave state can see anything to lament in the laws which exist in it this is not a very fair judgment but it is idle to complain of it for it is only a part of the injustice that is done us there are many among us who judge you i mean your country more fairly mr egerton all americans as you would find if you knew more individuals among them all americans do not suppose that all englishmen approve the atrocities practised upon children in your manufacturing districts nor would they think it right to take it for granted that you all approve the regulations now enforced by your poor laws egerton listened to her with great attention and certainly with great astonishment also her words and manner produced moreover another feeling but this related rather to himself than to her he began to suspect that he had been guilty of injustice that he had formed his opinions hastily and without sufficient grounds or at any rate that he had not allowed enough for individual exceptions and with the candour which such self-condemnation was likely to produce he replied i believe you are very right miss beauchamp i believe that we english do all of us form opinions and pronounce them too a great deal too much upon general views without seeking as we ought to do for exceptions that might lead to modify them your words have suggested this very useful truth and i shall not forget them but you will allow i am sure that in order to make this productive of all the good of which it is capable it is necessary that we should occasionally meet with good sense and candour equal to your own and that all our attempts to become acquainted with your widely extended and important country should not be always and for ever met with the broad assertion that it is the best and wisest in the world this is a species of information which it is impossible to receive in the sort of wholesale manner in which it is given and it is often rejected en masse because offered en masse these words produced on the mind of annie beauchamp an effect exceedingly like what hers had produced on that of frederick egerton that is to say she felt there might be some truth in them and the coincidence made her blush again 
but she smiled too and in such a sort that the young englishman not only thought her a thousand times handsomer than ever but he thought also and very nearly independent of any such consideration that he should greatly like to converse further with her now that so much of the prejudice which had mutually influenced them seemed in so fair a way of being lessened at least if not altogether removed but exactly at this moment and before frederick had advanced further than gently smiling in return miss louisa perkins came back again through the window exclaiming oh dear me you are quite mistaken in fancying my sister wanted me my dear young gentleman for instead of that i believe between you and i she would a good deal rather that i just stayed away it was some time after i went in before i could see at all for you know they make the room so dark with blinds but when i did find her at last i saw in a minute that i had better keep away for she was talking with another person so very earnestly that they neither of them seemed as if they wanted any more company this was all said in a manner so unusually lively and with such an air of extreme satisfaction that it seemed as if her return to the balcony was particularly agreeable to her feelings miss beauchamp again made room for her beside herself but whether she was quite as much delighted at this renewed arrangement as miss louisa may be doubted as to egerton he did not seem at all disposed to leave the matter in any doubt as far as he was concerned himself for without attempting to utter a word in reply to miss perkins's information he started from his place and passing hastily through the saloon left the house End of chapter twenty two